What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the River Blast Podcast. I'm Noah Hiles. And I'm Alex Stumpf. And Alex, we are innovative once again. Our baseball team is living in the future with the opener. We've caught up to last year. You know what? Being only a year behind... Yeah, I mean, I mean I'll take it. We're only the third team to be a year behind. Fourth of you include Cleveland because they kind of did bullpenning uh, at the end of 2016. Even before like Andrew Miller in the playoffs, they used bullpen games in September, which I think is cheating because it's like September rosters and everything. But still, we're the first National League team to do this. Yeah, and we did, they uh, did it Saturday and Wednesday. Tomorrow, today, yeah, today. You're uh, listening to this. There's a bullpen game. Yep. Tonight. It's going to be Montana again, which I I think it's a good role for him. What's his last name? Durapo. All right, we're sticking with that. Alex had a five-minute freak out. It wasn't five minutes. Oh, he he was like It was more like 20. He's like, oh, I don't know what to call him. Blah, blah, blah. Our sponsors are going to drop. I am an old man, all right? I am the oldest 27-year-old on earth. He really is. And I I don't want to say the guy's name wrong, so I'm just going to say Montana from now on. Uh, Does he warm up to French Montana, you think? To Hannah Montana. Oh, because, like, French Montana goes, Montana, work, 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 what you twerking with? All right, sorry. He, he goes, like, okay. Flocka! No. <laughs> Is that the only ad- rap ad lib you know? Uh, Flocka? Well, yeah. Can you, can you name any other? Let me hear you do Amigos ad lib. Oh, no. No. Skirt, skirt. <laughs> No, I was I was half. Mama, that was ninety nine percent Eric Andre and yes, <laughs> I know exactly. Yeah. Hannibal verse. Hannibal. Yeah, you can't, you that, can't that, go that's any a man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he birthed yeah. the jeans. All right, but yeah, it's it's good to see him do the opener. I think Montana's a good fit for it because you could control his workload, control the environment that he's going in. He looked comfortable the first time he did it. Yeah, do it again, especially since it looks like it's going to be Kingham starting. I mean, we don't have that official. No, I mean, they announced that it's it's Montana's. It's Montana's starting. Okay, but Kingham, you know. Kingham's going to come in. Uh, he's after, the next guy. Yeah, after it, the That's not innings. official. I'm just trying to read tea leaves right now. And, yeah. you know, Kingham is the guy who I've been screaming for a year needs an opener. He has given up a, a terrible amount of runs in the first inning. And even whenever he puts up a Before zero. Before his last start, his career ERA... Or no, before his Texas start, his career first inning ERA was over eight. And then he had a shutout first inning against Texas. Yeah, and he, then he left like the bases loaded. Yeah, and he threw 30-plus pitches. Yeah, and then so. in his second start, he got rocked in the first inning. So And that was the ERA. That's not counting all the unearned runs. Yes. I know he's given up more than his fair a share. A million. Also, yeah. Yeah. So, I, I love it. I love... Just going for it. You don't have a real starter, you know, right now because I don't consider Brolt or Kingham really you know, like traditional starters at this moment. Work with it. Work with what you have. And I, I love it for Brault especially because he's a decent hitter. So I think the National League argument's always been like, oh, but then you got a bad a bullpen pitcher, yada, yada, yada. It's like, nah, you pinch hit for your guy, in this case it's Montana, with Stephen Brault. If that's your next pitcher, like you just bat him and then bring him into the game, yeah, you know, and because like he's not a bad, not a bad hitter, so I think it's perfect for him to be the guy. Like once they get 
Williams back and they have that four-man rotation and they bullpen for this fifth one, make it brawl every time. And just, you know, unless if you really, really, really like how Kingham stacks up against someone... I love the way you bring in Brawl. I know you've been hammering for Kingham to have the opener, but I, I really like how it worked with Brawl this last time. I think we've seen, since Brawl has been the starter or been like the primary guy for the opener, I mean, in two of his three long outings this season, he's been pretty good. Yeah, and you don't have to overthink it also. Like if Cole Tucker or whoever's batting eighth, the shortstop, because that's how Clint Hurdle lineups work. Yes. <laughs> that's how Pirates lineups work. How many shortstops can you name that did not bat eighth for the Pirates? I looked it up on the play index. Jack not Wilson that did. I, he batted eighth, pretty much. In, like, the Clint Hurdle era, I think there was, like, 90-something percent of his games, like, the shortstop batted eighth. Jordy, 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 Jordy would bat leadoff against lefties, his yeah. starters, every once in a while, because he hit lefties well. Uh, I think Jordy started, like, one game where he batted third, which... Wild. Wild. To think of, you know, in retrospect. Ronnie Cedeno always batted eighth. Jack Wilson batted second well, a couple years. batted ninth a couple times. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But... We are... Jack Wilson batted second a couple times, but batted eighth. We're getting way off track. We're getting way off track. If someone gets on base, you can also just, you know, bring up Trevor Williams or Joe Musgrove or someone. Just bunt him over like a regular starting yeah. pitcher. What was he going to do today? Who cares? <laughs> All right, so we nailed the over. Also, I think Montana is the perfect guy because um, I know I've heard a couple people talk to some bullpen guys about it, and a lot of them, a lot of the veteran bullpen guys are against this because they say, you know, when we negotiate our contracts, mm-hmm. we get paid to pitch in high leverage situations, and you take that away from us. A, guy, a young guy like Montana, he's just happy to be in the show, you know, right now where – if you tell them, hey, man, like, you're going to be our opener, and you go, you go two innings every fifth day, he'll gladly do that. He's a pretty chill dude altogether, and if you look at, you know, his history. He's a pretty <laughs> mellow guy, man. All right, so moving forward. Speaking of a state where that type of activity is legal, uh, the Pirates just got back from California. Yes. Completing a 7-4 and four road trip. Which huge, huge road trip? I said five wins on this road trip would be a win. Yeah, well, I, I agree too. And it's seven and four. Big part of that was the three that they had in St. Louis. Three out. Honestly, it could have been a five and six road trip. And if they would have won three out of four in St. Louis, I still would have considered that an overall successful road trip. But to win that series there. To finish off with a series win in San Diego, okay, the Arizona series was ugly. They, Seven they, and four, playing shorthanded, a plus series, pretty much. Yeah. I, I, they might have left a win or two on the table with Rich Rod throwing away that game in San Diego, but you can't get our, you can't get angry with that. No, no, Against not three at all. Good teams. I mean, I, if you look at the way they they did it too, I mean, they they get the two two to one wins in St. Louis. That's the classic Pirates victory. I feel like this season, but then the win on Mother's Day come from behind. Yeah, uh, that when, was when awesome. The fans carried them. Yeah, and were they behind? Were they trailing it all against Arizona in the game that they won? No, that was the game where Musgrove. That's he, right. He put it all back together. That's right. And he looked good in San Diego too. He kind of hung one pitch that turned out being a three run homer. He was which kept in a little too long. Well, you give up a home run. I mean, this, yeah, yeah, you just kind of hope it's not a three-run tater, and that was pretty much the only 
blemish against him. He pitched it to the seventh in three run homer then and then. Okay. Yeah, I mean they 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 won seven. Really good start. They won seven and four against three good teams. Yeah. Three good teams on the road. Um, Playing shorthanded. Yeah, and the team that they lost the series to is a team that just they have they have our number. The the Diamondbacks have the Pirates number. It just is what it is. They won't face them again. Earlier they could face them is game one sixty three. That's a problem for them. <sighs> could you imagine? That's the wild card game. Oh man. I I don't know if I'd even cover it. I'd just be like, oh, oh man. Come on. All right. So, but yeah, great road trip. Uh, and you know why they had a great road trip? It's because our predictions went wildly accurate. We were fantastic on that. So Alex predicted Lyles two and zero, and he turned in probably what his two best starts of the year. You think? One hitter and then the twelve strikeouts. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't know yeah. how they're not his top two. Sh- Starts of the season, and then my prediction: ten home runs. I said in the eleven road games. I think they finished with thirteen. Yeah, and you know who hit the majority of them? Josh Bell. Joshua Evan Bell, who has been sent by the devil himself to punish baseballs. That man hates baseballs, like Greg Brown hates the DH, <laughs> like my dad hates Sid Bream, like. Ian Kinsler hates, and we're going to keep moving now. Josh Bell. <laughs> Josh Bell, player of the week in the National League. Ian Ale- Kinsler going full Ron Burgundy. <laughs> like, Ian Kinsler hates, insert any type of race or person that is not white baseball player. Uh, <laughs> oh, no, he was saying it to San Diego. The, the fans, yeah, uh, yeah, but, like, he's made other I'm comments. Ron Burgundy. Go F yourself, San Diego. That's the second worst F you to San Diego population in the history of that city. First one would be Ron Burgundy. Yeah. Or Spanos with the Chargers. Oh, yeah. Man. Wild card. San Diego, man. Like, you'd think everyone would be happy there. It's a beautiful city. It's it's the number... No, I have not, but I I mean, I know it's the number one... It's the highest cost of living city in, in the country. Oh, San Francisco. No, I'm pretty sure it's San Diego now. Okay. That's what they told they told me, old man. My senior year of college, they said, oh, wow. if you're applying for jobs, yeah, I know the Bay Area. I have a friend who lives out in the Bay Area, and like that's expensive as hell too. But I think San Diego, because the weather's just a little better there. Oh, it's the best. Yeah. So, and we got rain there, or the Pirates got rain. Yeah, there. you didn't so, get rain. Yeah. What am I talking about? We. But that didn't slow down Josh Bell. Let's talk about this guy. I mean, I I, I tweeted it out. I think. Uh, I mean, barring, like, God forbid, an injury or, like, just an epic collapse, I think this guy has to win National League Comeback Player of the Year. And if the Pirates finish with 85 or more wins, he deserves to be an MVP top three finisher based on what his numbers are already this season. Yeah, the thing that sucks about the MVP talk is right now it's Bellinger. And if there's anyone even close to Bellinger, it's Yelich. Yeah. And then it'd be like Josh Bell and DeYoung is like a very distant third right now. DeYoung is really freaking good. He really is. Yeah. Yeah, so that's that's kind of the thing. But But you know what? If you came into this year and said to me that Josh Bell, you know, even a quarter way through the season would be in the top five in MVP talks, I would have said you were crazy. Yeah. I mean, this has been... This is not comeback player of the year. This is breakout. And, you know, 
it sucks whenever you see like a Glasnow and Meadows breaking out or Cole hitting his stride in Houston. It's nice. It doesn't negate it, but it does soften the blow a bit that we're not seeing Josh Bell do the same thing somewhere else. Yeah. The, okay, thank God. It, this player development is not completely screwed over. We fixed Josh Bell. I mean, shout out to Rick Eckstein. And, and Jacob Cruz. And they Jacob Cruz. Yeah, they, they fixed. I mean, that, that hippie. That, yeah, that, that meditation guy. <laughs> I mean, he, have you seen, like, what he does? Like, he, like, meditates before every game and stuff? He's, like, a big, like, zen guy. Eckstein is. Eckstein. Oh. And, uh, I mean, he's, like, that... Cali, hang loose, man, kind of guy, and whatever, man. I don't care. Do what you got to do. Get me more Josh Bell home runs, please. All right, so we will move on to our interview now. Before we do that, we got to tell you who it's brought to you by, and, of course, it's brought to you by No Negations. No Negations is a motivational lifestyle and apparel brand. Their mission is to inspire others to achieve no matter the circumstance. It's easy to give up. Or quit, especially if people around us are feeding negativity. The No Negations team wants to be that positive reinforcement in your life. They offer talks and workshops to get your team, clients, and your customers motivated and inspired. Their team of national and world-class athletes are energetic, impactful, motivational speakers, offering insight on perseverance, team building, fitness, and mindset development. So whether if you have a t-shirt a hat, a polo, long sleeve shirt, crew neck, hoodie, or leggings, it should be a reminder that no matter your circumstance, you can overcome if you stay consistent. Visit their website at www.nonegations.com. That's N-O-N-E-G-A-T-I-O-N-S.com to order apparel and to receive more information on speaking events. Also, follow them on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at NoNegations. And so for our interview portion now, we have Michael... Claire of Cut 4, and this is a friend of Alex's, and uh, a really great interview. We talked to him about pretty much everything that we could think of. A little longer than we normally go, but I promise you it's worth it, and that's coming up right now. All right, we are going to our interview segment right now, and today we have Michael Clare from Cut4. Michael, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you guys doing? I'm doing well. You know, Michael, I'm actually a little under the weather, but I'm, pa- I'm powering through it because Alex just had great reviews for you. Yeah, Noah's, <laughs> he's playing through pain right now. This is his Jordan game, game six. Uh, oh, man. Uh, you know, I have to say, uh, as, uh, as kind as it is, I'm definitely not worth it, uh, in no way, shape, or form. So, <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, we'll uh, see, we'll yeah, see how we'll the interview goes, goes first. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just get your fluids in, get your rest, you well, know, I get it. So. I, I mean, part of it's, you know, sinus related, another part is I just covered five hours worth of high school volleyball, so... <laughs> Uh, a rich full day. Yeah, it's 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 been hell, you know. But <laughs> oh, all right, Alex. Oh, man. Alex will start us off. What do you got for him, Alex? Yeah, I, whenever I asked you if you wanted to be here, I gave you the option. Like, if there's anything, you know, pirates burning in your soul that you had to just get out, and you do have some repenting to do. 
I do. I do. I, uh, I, I have to apologize because I had been all spring, all winter, all season, honestly, probably until maybe even this week, I had been banging the drum of this Pirates team is no good. There is really not a whole lot on this roster. Yes, I like the pitching staff, but I didn't like the pitching staff as much as it was. I complained a lot about the offseason moves. You know, I thought, oh, Melky Cabrera, a decent fourth outfielder, if that. I thought Jordan Lyles is just, you know, a scrappy pitcher. I was disillusioned. I was upset. Josh Bell, even though I knew he was good two years ago, even though I know that his dad is one of the most jacked people I have ever seen in my life, I didn't believe. And now, I mean, granted, they are in an incredibly tough division. I still think there could have been more done for the team. But the fact of the matter is that I was wrong. I was way wrong. I actually said that the Reds were going to be better than the Pirates this year. And in no way, shape, or form, barring every member of the Pirates uh, basically contracting some brand new disease that hasn't been discovered yet, that's not going to happen. This is a good team. This is a watchable team. And I have to apologize and I have to uh, repent for, for my sins. I think Pittsburgh will forgive you. I mean, we were kind of saying the same thing about Lyles also. I don't think anyone came into the city. I think even the biggest of optimists saw like, okay, fifth starter, not, you know. Right. <laughs> not yeah, I, I, I still don't know if I believe it going forward, but honestly, like, was it 45, 50 innings of this so far? Uh, that's about as many as I probably thought he would end up throwing this season. So I'll take it. It's great. And yeah, I, I, uh, I blew it on this one. So you brought up Melky Cabrera also. And I, I wanted to get you on here because I figured you'd be one of the people who would back me up on this. That yep. I have a hot take with Melky. And that okay. is... He is too pure for this world. He, he, he's running down to first base. He's hugging Eric Hosmer because he missed his buddy. You know, they're they're arm in arm, just chilling in the <laughs> during a fishing. I I don't think anyone in the game has anything bad to say about Melky Cabrera. Yeah, you know, he has to be one of the most likable guys. Well, I can, I can think of one negative thing about him uh, from his past, but aside from that, okay. But even whenever he did that. And then I swear we'll let you talk, Michael, since this is technically your interview. <laughs> well, I'm just oh, saying, please, like, no. you, you just called him pure, ones. and, like, I think his biggest flaw would be impurity. Oh, okay. So maybe that's okay. not the right word. But even then, he was, what, one plate appearance away from qualifying for the batting title? Yeah. And they're like, you know, we could give you an out and you'd win the batting title. He's like, no, let my teammate win it instead. Yeah. So even that, like, it's like, aw, <laughs> I can't get mad at the guy. <laughs> I, you know, I, I think that's a, a, a great point, and I, I, I think you've swayed me. There was nothing more tender than the Eric Hosmer stuff, and there is something to him being on this team with Francisco Cervelli, who I feel like is very similar in that. Like, if they get a pitch inside, the two of them, like, run out of the box, their eyes get wide, you know, they're joking around. If they see someone they know, I wish Cervelli was having a better season because I really feel like they could otherwise team up to be this sort of, like, best friend duo of 
I guess just like happiness and kindness in a world that is so often dark and cruel and mean. Uh, so yeah, if, if you were having a bad time this week and you saw the Pirates Padres game and you saw Melky Cabrera just lovingly rest his head on Eric Hosmer's shoulder, that's that's why everyone tunes into like the Hallmark channel and you had that in a baseball game between, you know, two teams playing each other. I think you're right. The fact that his nickname is the Milkman and that sort of has a connotation of like a simpler time and I, I don't know. I, I think you're right. He's too pure, and uh, I, we just have to enjoy it while while it ha- while it happens. And I think that kind of—I mean, this is a theory that I have, and I—not I, that I have—I'm stealing this from uh, John Boyce, who does a chart party for SB Nation and other video stuff, where he talked about uh, Jeff Francoeur, who is widely regarded as you know. A really good teammate and an all-around nice guy. And we hear so much about clubhouse guys and how that's a good thing to have. But, you know, Frank Corr had a good rookie year and then, you know, hung around, you know, another decade in baseball. Not because he was really any good. I mean, he was a serviceable replacement level, you know, fourth outfield or whatever. And I feel like Melky's kind of the same thing that, you know, if you're so likable that, yeah, bring this guy in for a minor league contract. Let's see what happens. And if he does end up producing, that's good. Or, or am I just crazy? No, I, I, I mean, here's the thing. Uh, the world's a tough place. Don't Isn't everyone happier when you go to work? And, yeah, maybe there's that guy in your office who his work's not the best. You know, it takes him a few days to respond to emails, but he's always in a good mood. Like, there's something to the fact that even in baseball, which is supposed to be this meritocracy, which is supposed to be, like, all, you know, results-based, it's like, at the end of the day, it's still like, listen, we can go with one of these two guys. One guy's a total, like, you know, douche, and nobody likes him. And the other is, yeah, maybe a little bit worse, but... He's going to get along with everybody. He's going to make us laugh. We're going to have a good time with him. We have to spend every day together for the next six months. Let's bring that guy in. I like the fact that, like, it's not that nice guys finish last. Nice guys get to hang around in the league forever because people just like to hang out with them. Yeah, and I think he has a really good fit on this team because there are a lot of, like you said, nice guys. You see, like, Cervelli, but even the younger players, like Cole Tucker, seems to have that radiant personality where people are really just connecting with him early on. There's guys on the pitching staff like like Nick Kingham and Joe Musgrove and, and Jamison Tyon who, and Stephen Brawl, Trevor Williams, all these guys who uh, really just connect with others very easily. And I think that that's a reason, like you said, baseball is this game of numbers and merit and not a lot of human element is talked about in today's game, but yet somehow, some way, this team who has a low payroll and who, you know, has a ton of injuries is still able to piece together some wins here and there. So I guess my question for you would be, you talked about how they're in the tough division and you have some thoughts on them. You retracted a couple of your criticisms, but would you say that this team is a sustainable winner uh, for a 162-game season, especially like when you look at their run differential and when you look at the division that they play in? That, oh, God, that's rough. Uh, yeah, because what is it? The, the, the Pythag entering today was something like six games below where, where they were at. Yeah. Uh, I, 
Yeah, I mean, is I, ruling in his grave. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I, th- I think the issue with this team, and, and this is part of the issue I think a lot of Pirates fans had in the offseason, was even if you thought this was sort of like an 81-win team, it's kind of like, well, the team has been rolling at sort of 81 wins for a long time now, and wouldn't it be nice to sort of push the chips in and see what happens. Uh, I still think that's kind of where they are. I guess I thought they were more of like a 70-win team at the start of the year. You know, I I guess it depends what happens later in the season. You know, last year, the the Pirates pushed in and and made that move that, you know, for Chris Archer. And right now, that's not looking like the best decision as, you know, Glassnow's become amazing and Austin Meadows is is, is having a good year. But, um, yeah, I I think it's just going to be one of those. And and, and listen, there's a time in my life where I was like, oh, my God, if the Pirates can win 81 games, that'll just be a great season. I don't want anything else. So so maybe I'm just being uh, too selfish. I, I want too much now. But I, I, I guess at the end of the day, I just think the Brewers are too strong. The Cubs are too strong. I, I, I really like the Cardinals, even though they've been playing poorly right now. You know, if, if, if you had to say how many wins do the Pirates have at the end of the year, I say they finish with 80 wins. Uh, they kind of fall apart in August just because I, I do think the roster is thin. I do think Jordan Lyles is not going to be a, you know, Cy Young caliber pitcher the whole year. And I, I guess the hope would just be that, you know, people like Starling Marte can can hit a little bit better as, as the season rolls on to, to make up for that. And I, I guess I just don't think there's enough there. But, I mean, an 81 team is a team worth watching. It's a team that probably until the middle of September would have a chance at a second wild card. And, you know, again, that, you know, having a competitive baseball team that seems to like each other and has fun and they're smiling and they're hosting podcasts, there's worse teams to follow than that. So a follow-up question would be they're – Obviously, four good teams in the National League Central. I'm guessing you're not the only one who expects the Pirates to be the first of those four to kind of take that step back and regress. If it's not the Pirates, who is the first team to kind of fall out of this four-team race, I guess? So, another one I was wrong on. Before the start of the year, I thought the Cubs were going to struggle. You know, that's another team that I just said, I wish they, you know, if they were to compete, they really should do more and they look amazing right now uh, because the Cardinals are the ones struggling and you know they have some older players that you know you do really have to start wondering if maybe this is the end of it uh, I, I think it would be the Cardinals that would be the, the weakest link there uh, I, I I love the Brewers even though I think the, the pitching's kind of thin I, 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 there, there's just something about that team that I think is uh, really really strong I mean the way they, they run their bullpen and and, you know, Yelich and Kane uh, obviously just really kind of run that offense. Um, so I, I think if, if, if the Pirates can manage to be third, be second, it's going to be the, the Cardinals that fall off. And then, you know, if there's any sort of injury bugs, I think it's the, the Cubs that would succumb next. I, I, I am a 100% full believer in, in Milwaukee and, and don't really see uh, them not competing this season. All right, so we're going to go back to... Uh... A little less Pirates, a little more just hypothetical baseball talk. Alex kind of thought of this, but I want to ask it. Um, you can take one person. Well, I didn't think of it. Michael was asked this and he tweeted it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Alex thought, to, uh, Alex thought to ask it to you, I should say. Okay. This is a roundtable now. Yes. And, over, round table. Yes. You, yeah, you tweeted this out. Um, 
I think it's, yeah, just a really good discussion. So you could take out one person in the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame and replace them with somebody else. Um, I guess we'll all just go around. We'll start with you. Who are you taking out and who are you replacing him with? Okay, so the one I tweeted, uh, this was kind of trolling, uh, and it was also because we ended up talking about this when, when I was at the office today, but I, I said Tim Raines out, even though I do think Tim Raines is a great player, but you know, my point was I was just kind of, by the time he got in, I was kind of tired of the discussion, and I was, you know, walks are boring, and I, the one thing I could do is draw a walk, even though walks are very hard and it's very important. I put Jay Buhner in because uh, I think the 1995 Pirates are... Uh, I'm sorry, the 1995 Mariners deserve every single member of that team to go in. And out of the Griffey, Edgar Martinez, Jay Buhner, Jay Buhner not going in, that's not fair. Jay Buhner went around shaving people's heads uh, at the stadium. If I made a, if you'll allow me, I'll make one more that I didn't already, you know, share. Uh, it's that I'm going to take uh, Jack Morris out and you'd think maybe I'd go Johan Santana, but I'm going to put Jamie Moyer in. I guess I'm very Mariners-focused today. I don't know why. Uh, I'm going to put Jamie Moyer in just because uh, he pitched till he was 49. I think that's beautiful. I loved watching him, like, his last couple starts at the Rockies. He looked like an old, old man out there, and he was still getting outs in Colorado. So that would be, if I get a second one, that would be the second one I do. How about you guys? What do you got? Alex? I, I really like the Johan Santana one i if he would have won he was robbed of three uh cy young awards he was robbed of a third one gave it to bartolo instead of i think he would have been or at least in the conversation if he won that third one um i'm taking out harold baines i mean there are obviously more egregious ones from like the 30s and 40s whenever they were just putting everybody's buddy in that are like yeah he doesn't belong in the hall of fame but i think i i don't like it's nothing against baines personally fine ball player over the career but he was never I think even one of the top hitters in the game mm-hmm. any given year. And, you know, pretty good counting stats, but not he didn't reach, like, the arbitrary, you know, milestones of 3,000 hits or 500 homers. I, I, I just can't really support him getting in the Hall of Fame. And I want to put Tommy John in. How is Tommy John not in the Hall of Fame? Almost 300 pitching wins, like 60-something war, and not to mention the, the surgery. How many careers has he saved because he was brave enough to take that leap of faith? Definitely deserves to be in the hall. I like that. I like that a lot. I, if you get a surgery named after you, you're it. That's. I think that should be a rule. Well, well. I mean, <laughs> Lou Gehrig's disease type deal would be. I mean, he was going in anyway. He was going in anyway, yeah. but I, I, I just the. So that rule still plays. We've got some good news and some bad news. The good news is we're naming a disease after you. <laughs> or we're naming a surgery after That's you. That's tough. <laughs> yeah, I, I see how that could put, you know, perhaps uh, not, not turn out so well. No. <laughs> All right. So, so the guy that I would take out of the Hall of Fame, I mean, Alex probably stole mine, so just because I agree with everything he said. So I'm just going to go with a different guy. And this was a player I actually really liked growing up, and he has the stats. It's just the eye test, I guess. And when you just measure his caliber as a player compared to other guys in that hall, I feel like he doesn't stack up equally, and that's Craig Biggio. Um, I know that will probably piss off a lot of people. He had a very good long career, uh, versatile fielder, I know 3,000 hits, he got hit by a whole bunch of pitches, but it's just, you know, as someone who watched him play 
And then I've also watched Mike Trout play, Albert Pujols play, Miguel Cabrera play. Those are Hall of Famers. Like, Craig Biggio is just someone who has really good stats because he played a long time. I think there's a difference there. Um, Another guy who has really good stats that uh, I would be remiss if I did not name him in this because I would like to see the steroid guys get in. I'd like to see Pete Rose get in. I'd like to see Shoeless Joe Jackson get in. I think all of them will eventually see their way into Cooperstown. Um, But one guy who I think deserves to go in, my dad's all-time favorite player, Al Oliver. You look at those... Those 70s Pirates teams, um, and everyone remembers the impact that, of course, Stargell had and, and Roberto Clemente, um, but you look in those mid, the Lightning and Lumber, or the Lumber and Lightning, either way, uh, you know, those teams that were going to the NLCS every year and having those bloodbath of a series against the Cincinnati Reds, and he was a beast. His career batting average is well over 300, and I don't know. I feel like he played the game hard. He played the game right, and the Pirates deserve a little bit more of recognition. I think, aside from you know, the, they had two all-time greats in that decade. Three, if you include Mazeroski, defensively, he played like the tail end of his career uh, in the first couple years in the '70s. But my man Scoop, follow him on Twitter. Also, Al Oliver. He's verified. He tweets in all caps. It's very funny. Uh, a natural Iron Sheik type. Yeah, Twitter. Yeah, and uh, he's. I, I would like to see Al Oliver. He's kind of like. I, I don't know if you'd get this or not, uh, this reference, but like. Elsie Greenwood is not in the Football Hall of Fame, even though, you know, he had just as big of an impact on the Steel Curtain defense in the 70s that, like, G- Mean Joe Green did. But there are already so many Steelers, so he kind of got left out. I feel like Al Oliver kind of got left out and forgotten. Also, because he didn't end his career in Pittsburgh, he got traded. Um,. But his numbers are really good. I think he's a Hall of Fame caliber outfielder. You know, I have never, you know, I know the name Oliver, Al, Al Oliver, but I have never heard him mentioned uh, for the Hall of Fame as someone being left out. But I just pulled up his baseball reference page and just the number of years where he was this above average, like, you know, 20, 30, 40% better than league average hitter. Uh, I, I mean, I have to think it was the time he, he was almost at 2,800 hits, you know. I'm just eyeballing, you know, the, the sort of like black ink, gray ink Hall of Fame monitor. Those are all around Hall of Fame numbers. So I'm actually shocked that I have not heard more people sort of banging that Al Oliver belongs in the Hall of Drum. This is kind of weird to me. Yeah, he gets overshadowed because, like I said, you know, you look at those early 70s teams and you think about Clemente and, you know, he had the, the horrible accident that led to his death you think of the late 70s teams that was willie parker or not willie parker willie stargell and dave parker uh the you know hitting the home runs we are family but those mid-70s teams aside from you know the pitcher who dropped lsd and threw a no hitter like al oliver was the dude scoop (laughs) you know and like he gets slept on a lot and he was he was he was the man at the plate I, i feel like he won a couple batting titles i could be wrong there uh, but eighty two, he won. He won one in eighty two. Uh, may, maybe the issue is after the Pirates, he went to the Rangers, which in the late seventies doesn't really mean anything. And then Montreal. I mean, maybe he just sort of got lost by the writers at the time because mm-hmm. he went to two kind of struggling teams. I think that's it. You know, you go and back then, you know, you didn't have social media, you didn't have the the amount of coverage, especially in new markets back then. Like the Rangers were a relatively new market. So he probably didn't get the press that he received in Pittsburgh, and people 
kind of forgot about him, and now, you know, a lot of people don't understand how good he was. If I could be cynical for a second, and do you still have the page pulled up? Mm-hmm. How many times did he drive in 100? That is a good question. Let's see. Uh, twice. Uh, 117 in 1980 with Texas, and 109 in 82 with Montreal. I think that's a big contributing factor going based off of what writers were looking for in a hitter in that yeah. time. Yeah, I mean, 2,700 hits, 2,800 hits. I mean, oh, oh, yeah. how many people with 3,000 hits were there in the 1980s? You didn't Not have... Many. Yeah, so he yeah. had to be top 50 hits of all time probably when he retired. Oh, yeah, definitely. So, definitely. I don't know. And were you thinking of the lumber company? Yeah. Lum- not Lumber and Lightning. Didn't they call it that, too? I don't know if they called it that. I know it was called the Lumber Company. Lumber Company? Oh, okay. I, I thought okay. they were also called Lumber and Lightning. Anyway, I think we should probably wrap this up. You got any final questions, Alex? One real fast, because uh, I dubbed you my grand poopa of nicknames or something <laughs> along that <laughs> Along the lines of that last year. So, on this team right now, we got Nightmare, we got Hot Coffee, Redbeard, Milkman. The best pirate nickname is... Oh, man. The best pirate nickname on the team right now is Redbeard. Although, to me... Yeah, I think that fits so well. But to me, I always think of Colin Moran as Henry David Thoreau. Because when I look at him, I only imagine a, like mid 19th century uh like writer who's like i'm gonna go off I've, I've seen the horrors of the civil war now i'm gonna like go off and live on my own and fish and have my mom bring me my laundry because that's what i see because he's got that big beard that sort of gaunt face so while that is my favorite nickname i almost feel like it doesn't quite match and i am really hoping that uh does josh bell have a nickname yet does he or at least a good one they just call him jb he needs one i'm trying to get a big thump going big thump is great oh my god that would be that's perfect because he's just a big dude too i co i i I 100 am on 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 board with that one all right then that's it that's the best nickname on the team, then. You heard it from the Grand Pooba. Well, I, do you follow Do you follow uh, Captain Andrew Luck on Twitter, the Civil War thing? <laughs> no, I didn't know this was a thing. What is oh, oh, go on Twitter and follow Captain Andrew Luck. It's beautiful. And it's, it's tweets like he is writing letters home to his mother. And it'll be like, like if they play the Steelers, it'll be like, Dear Mother, today on the battlefield we fought men of steel. And like... It's, like, written like a Civil War letter. I feel like Colin Moran needs that type of Twitter account as well, where he's just writing Civil War letters. Well, he brought up the Transcendentalist yeah, yeah. With, with Walden, and I went back to this horrible college class where I just had to read all these quote-unquote American classics, yeah. which I, I, I did not enjoy that much. The Redbeard, I, I thought, like, Moby Dick, like, he should be, you know, he should be with... Uh, Ahab and Queequeg, you know, you know, with that type of deal. I think that's right. I, I think if, because if, I guess when I hear Redbeard, I immediately think pirates, but if I recontextualize just ever so slightly and I place him into Moby Dick, then it 100% works and I'm even more on board with it. Maybe the pirates are like George R. R. Martin because they play like two thirds of a good season and then just kind of go away in August. You know, don't show up at the end and everyone gets disappointed. Uh. I'll just watch the TV version. I'm sure the last season will be fine. All right. Well, thank you for Michael. Thank you for coming on. Uh, we where can we find you on social media? 
Uh, I am on Twitter at Michael S. Clare. Uh, and thank you guys so much for, for having me on. This is a lot of fun. Absolutely. Until next time, my friend. Take care. Yep, you too. Big thanks to Michael Clare for coming on and uh, talking some baseball with us. Now it's time for everyone's favorite part of the show, segments. Alex, who are segments brought to us by? Well, our segments are brought to you by Slice on Broadway, with locations in Carnegie, Beachview, the East End, and of course, our favorite at PNC Park, Slice on Broadway has it all. From their perfect pizza, spectacular salads, or super delicious subs, everything they make is handmade and the best your money can buy. You know what? They wouldn't be able to sleep if it wasn't. Mm -mm. So be sure to check them out and tell them that the guys from the River Blast podcast sent you. So I wasn't, I wasn't uh, covering the game yesterday. I'll be there today. Mm -hmm. uh, can't wait to go to Slice on Broadway. Can't wait to see Rico and the company. You know, just hanging out right in center field. They get you the good, the good pizza, man. They always hook me up with some waters, even though I'm pretty sure a couple waters free, like anywhere. <laughs> They make me feel special. I feel like I get the big cup of water for free. The, uh, the water that comes in the soda glass. It's not the little. No, no, no. It's because not the cup. because I always get water for Jack because uh, he'll like bully me if I don't, and uh, <laughs> he doesn't make anyone else do that. I've noticed as well. Like I'm the only one he will make do that, but I don't care. I'll, I'll, I mean, the guy's a legend. So uh, he dra he drafted Jason Kendall, which is my first favorite baseball player. So I'll, I'll get him water until he. Until he doesn't want any more water. Uh, but, yeah, so <laughs> I go there every day I work to go get water, and I just talk to them. Really good people down there at Slice on Broadway. All right, so it's time for Buy, Sell, Trade. Alex, I believe you started last time. I think I did. All right, so I'm going to start this time. I am going to buy some remorse, some buyer's remorse on this Archer deal. I, I, I hate to do it, and... I know we got to see this thing play out in the fruit. Like, we got to let it play out. And there's the argument. Glass now might not have ever been this good with the Pirates. Where does Meadows fit in? My buyer's remorse is if you wanted Archer, we probably should have just got him earlier. Or we could have used those pieces who I don't disagree that they might not have ever panned out to be this good in Pittsburgh. We could have used them to get someone better. Because in hindsight, this is looking like one of the most lopsided trades in franchise history. And not in a good way. It, it'll never be as bad as Aramis. No, no, it, it will never be as bad as Aramis Ramirez and Kenny Lofton for Bobby Hill. Who else did we get? Uh, Jose Hernandez, I think. I don't know. That was, yeah, that was bad. But, I mean, this one is, we'll see. I mean, I think both of those guys are going to be all-stars this year. Uh, and if the Rays win a division this season and the Pirates don't, uh, are you yawning? I yeah. Uh, well, it's after midnight. I'm tired. Yeah, no, but I'm just saying you can yawn. Alex is making these faces like he's getting like sucker punched in the closed. penis. Like he's like, yeah, he's trying to yawn with his mouth closed, and it looks like he's having a stroke right now. And I'm it is old. the most distracting thing in the world. Just yawn. It's okay. I've yawned. I've apologized to you for it. That's why I'm trying not but to. But no, 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 no. <laughs> you can yawn. I promise. It'll be okay. okay. Just don't be loud when you yawn. That is my problem. All right. 
Anyway, sorry, you got me real off track there. <laughs> Just making these faces like is someone like stabbing make, you? I'm gonna make faces at you. Alright, so that's my that's my buy. I have a little bit of buyer's remorse on the Archer deal. I mean it is what it is. I'm not complaining about it. I'm just saying, hindsight 2020, not a great idea. So, I'm selling the idea that Josh Bell is the next Andrew McCutcheon. Because he's not. There will never be another Andrew McCutcheon. Andrew McCutcheon, is Bell the next great player in Pirates history? I'd like to hope so. It certainly looks like it right now. But, given the time that Andrew McCutcheon rose to stardom... There will never be a player like that in Pirates history again. At least I hope. Just freaking yawn normal, Alex. Please stop doing that. That one was... Intentional? No, that one actually wasn't. Okay, anyway. There will never be another player that has that type of meaning. For someone like myself, for someone like you, who grew up, people in their 20s, grew up not seeing an actual really good baseball player play in Pittsburgh... And then you see this guy come up, and he leads the charge, and he's on the cover of Sports Illustrated, and he's winning MVPs. He's on Sports Center commercials, and he's leading them to the playoffs for three straight years. And all these awards, all these accolades, all this recognition, I think Bell can get that. But it won't mean as much. You know, Bell could take the next step. I will say that. Like, Bell could lead them to a division title. Bell could win the, lead them to an NLCS or a World Series or something like that. That would be the next step. But all of this, I think, you know, the competitive baseball talk, all of that, that's all because of Kutch. Not 100% because of him, but he led that movement. So Josh Bell isn't the next Andrew McCutcheon. There will never be another Andrew McCutcheon. But he could very well be the next superstar. So don't compare him to Kutch. Just let Josh Bell be Josh Bell, because he's pretty damn good at it, you know? But don't be the next Kutch, be the first Josh Bell. Yeah. I'm Actually, I'm sure there were many Josh Bells before Josh Bell. I mean, that's a very common name. Yeah. I mean, there was a J... Be the first There Josh was a, 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 an initial J Bell, like, on the Pirates, like, 20 years ago. It was just... His actual name was J Bell. Yeah. All right. I didn't know if you were following me on that. And I'm trading... <laughs> I'm trading uh, Cervelli... As the everyday starting catcher, and I'm trading Diaz into that role. I saw everything I needed to see in that four-game series against San Diego. Um, I saw a catcher who looked comfortable at the plate in a Pirates uniform, something I haven't seen all this season. Is Cervelli's defense good enough to outweigh his horrible bat? No, not at all. I think you still have to pepper in semi-regular starts because Cervelli knows the pitching staff so well. But let's let's just be real here. I mean, this guy, he's playing his final year in Pittsburgh, as it is. Diaz is going to be the starter next year unless they sign someone. So why not just start playing Diaz every game now? Why can't he just be the primary guy? And then you just use Cervelli. I've seen Cervelli taking ground balls at short. They've talked about him at third. Just start, you know, using him as a utility player. Uh, I want Diaz to be our everyday catcher from here on out because I think he gives the Pirates the best chance to win. Alex, what do you think of my buy-sell trade? I, I pepper in comments yeah. throughout. So I I feel like I've already said what I want to say. Nothing on uh, Cervelli for... I mean... Or Diaz for Cervelli? 
it's hard to argue against it. I mean, until Cervelli, he's been hitting the ball a little harder, but the results aren't there. So, and Diaz, I think, is going to be the catcher at extra anyway. So, I mean, beat the man, just beat him to the punch. I don't see anything wrong with that. All right, your buy sell trade. My buy sell trade. I am buying the spin rates of the new Pirate relievers. Uh, over the last couple of weeks, they've added three new pitchers to their forty man. Uh, Montana is one of them. He has great spin rates on his curveball, almost 3,000 RPM, and his slider, almost 2,800. Uh, Hartlieb is in the top 5 or 6% in baseball in terms of fastball spin rate. Stratton, also, curveball is fourth highest spin rate in baseball on average. So I, I really like those. I think you could build good relievers out of it. Uh, it's a very encouraging sign. I like it. I'm buying the new spin rates. Okay. I I am selling uh, Mitch Keller not being ready because as speaking as someone who has just rewatched uh, Infinity War again because I'm taking my my parents wanted to go see Endgame but they did watch Infinity War and they haven't really been they keeping haven't up. seen Infinity War they hadn't seen Infinity War because where the hell have they been they wanted to watch it before they watched Endgame so it was fresh in their minds. And they hadn't really kept up with, you know, Marvel. So it'd be like, okay, so these are the Guardians of the Galaxy. This is what's been going on. So I watched that. And I, I remember the vision line, the we are out of time. And I feel like that's kind of where we are with Mitch Keller. It, they have a doubleheader Monday. And you can't it, bullpen a doubleheader. You can't bullpen a doubleheader. You get to bring up a guy from AAA for game two of the doubleheader. He'll be his next spot in the rotation is Sunday, so you could easily just push him back a day. It just seems like this is it. This is Mitch Keller time. And okay, if he's not ready, if he gets shelled, you don't have to stick with him. But I think he needs to be in serious conversation for the starting role. I think I mean his start Tuesday was great. Seven innings, one run, six strikeouts. Great. The start before that was great. Uh, he might be working on a new pitch. He might not be 100% ready, but you need him now. You need him now. I'm selling that, you know, the concept that he can't be used now or that bringing him up for one start would really hurt his development. All right, let me ask you this then. Yeah. So he comes up. He ends up being a very good starter, right? Trevor comes back. He's healthy. Mid-season form. When Tyone's due back... Who do you get rid of in the starting rotation? You know what? That that's a that's a good problem to have. That's what I was and thinking. and I have again, but say that Keller's doing really well. Musgrove and Lyle stay on course, and Williams stays on course, and Archer stays on course. Do you bump Archer to the bullpen? You put him on the quote unquote IL when Tyone comes back. You know what? If in this perfect scenario where everyone is healthy. And everyone is producing. I think you have to entertain six man because Jordan Lyles has never pitched. He's going to probably set a new a personal record for most innings pitched in a year. Jamo will be coming back. Here's the thing, injury. though. Lyles is on a one-year deal. I don't give a damn. I'm riding him until the brakes fall off. That sounds messed up. But, but like, until I, I might agree with you in September. I'm not going to burn him out in July then. Okay. Okay, so like in this scenario, six man rotation, I'm generally not for that, but if guys are recovering from injury 
and you're worried about workloads of other pitchers, and I don't want to blow out Keller. You know, so maybe no. a, yeah. maybe a six man could be like a legitimate you know look at it. I don't think that would be long term. Or you you figure Jamo's coming back what mid July? I think that's so. You just yeah. take turns putting guys on the IL, quote unquote, until September. Just in that one month in between, you just August. You just put a couple, you know, one guy on the IL for a month, and then you go to the six man rotation in September. I think September, I would rather just put Keller in the bullpen. Okay. I mean, just throw him in that role. And my trade, uh, you brought up the Archer trade. Okay. Today, I I, I want to bring back another old one, and that is the Liriano trade in 2016. And I'm bringing that hate up because Harold Ramirez hit his first career tater today. Well, I hate the term tater for home runs. Who started that? I don't. I just wanted to be a little creative, and then I got you. I got you real angry, like I yawned or something. I don't know, dude. <laughs> I wish I could show you a picture of Alex's face when he's yawning. It is the most distracting thing of all time. Again, it looks like he's. It's it's like he's in between holding in a fart, and like walked in on a significant other hooking up with someone like that. Like. <laughs> It is, like, that level of uncomfortable on his face. And it is, like, when you're trying to talk about baseball and you just see him, like, giving you this weird look across from you, you're just, like, you want to smack him. So that's our buy-sell trades. Uh, we're going to play a new game now as we move on. It's called How Many. Uh, and I'm just going to name players for Alex. I have four names. Considering when we're recording this, the Pirates have 24 wins and 21 losses. I want you to name how I want you to tell me how many wins the Pirates would have without this player, assuming that the play, the player was either hurt all season long or just never acquired by the Pirates. Okay. What would their record be if this person wasn't on the team? Right. Not record, just how many wins would they have? Okay. First player, Josh Bell. Uh, they'd probably have about twenty right now, like legitimately. Twenty wins. Yeah, nineteen or twenty. I think they'd be closer to where the Pythagorean uh, record is right now. I think Josh Bell is the X factor. I I would say less than that. All right. I would I would say like seventeen. All right. I mean I don't think his WAR is that high. Like I'm not looking no, no, at no. this We're literally. Not based on war. But like I think no. like again I'm a big human element guy, and I think like when someone hits a home run 470 feet on your team. You just kind of get a little bit more jazzed up, and you gain momentum not only in a game but in a, in a series. And when you see a guy playing to the level that he is playing, I think it's a motivator. And I think without that motivator, with all the lack of consistency we've seen everywhere else, I don't know how that clubhouse responds. So yeah, I go like seventeen, but that's just me. Yeah, we're not that far off. Jordan Lyles. Uh, 20, 1, 21. I think there are three, because he started, what, eight games? Yes, I believe so. And he's, what, 5-1? and one? No, I don't think he's 5 ones. Does he? Let me pull up stats here. Maybe 4-1. and one. I believe he's 4-1. and one. Okay, but I think, what, that would make the Pirates, like, 6-2 and two in his starts this year? 
Um, just they're just, no, they've only lost one of his starts. I'm pretty sure. All right, so seven and one. Yeah, uh, just just cut it in half. They yeah, he has he has so out. he has eight starts. Uh, he's four and one, and I believe the Pirates are seven and one. Okay, so just cut it in half. Pirates would win half of those games out of those eight. So I'll go one lower. I'll go I'll go nineteen wins. Okay. Yeah, just because with the bullpen, I think if you don't have that fifth starter going as deep as he's gone. I don't know how that lasts. So, yeah. Melky Cabrera. You know, I love Melky, but I, I'd i say like 22, 23 maybe. I'd say 21. I think yeah. that I for mean, a while. He's pure for this world, but like in terms of like actual impact on the team, batting average is great, but he's not hitting for a ton of power. No. Defense isn't really that great. He has been very valuable to this team. Yes. But uh, he he's not like an all-star type player. I mean... He might while, be. While Lyles and Bell, I think, have been. Yes, also, yeah, I, I, I will say that. Uh, no, but I think Melky definitely adds maybe three or four wins simply because the pressure that he took off the outfield. I mean, if you would have told us at the beginning of the year that Corey Dickerson would yeah. go out in game four and we still wouldn't have him back in mid-May, I would have been... I would have bet my life savings that this team would have been in last place. Mm-hmm. But this guy's replaced a 300-hitting gold-glove outfielder with ease. He filled the void before that for Polanco's position. And I think that he has taken a lot of pressure off younger guys like Jason Martin and Brian Reynolds, where they've been able to have success yeah. and their opportunities. So I'll say I'll say 20 wins uh, without Melky. So he's worth four. Four. Oh, okay. That's Got a it. lot. But, I, I, I'm like one or two here, so I'd say 22, 23. Okay. Uh, my last player, Eric Gonzalez. Honestly, probably 25, 26. That's, I was going to say 26. Yeah. I, I, there are a couple games where... If Tucker and Newman would have been the platoon to start the year, I think this team's record's a little better. Yeah. I really do. You know what? It was Jose Iglesias. It'd probably be 26 or 27. I agree. Probably another one on top of yes. that. What a mistake. I mean, what a what that, that, a that was a squandering. Yeah, the table banging was not done well. I mean, you can't get too mad at him because the like the Lyles and Melky thing right now has saved I, the I season. Can't get mad but at you any, can get mad because it's he not like assassinated Starling Marte. Well, that and it's it's just it's also I mean they weren't they didn't have to break the bank. I mean, it was just an effort thing more than anything else. Like yeah. he would have been one of the cheapest free agent signings in the last. However long the Pirates have had. You want to talk about bad trades. This isn't fair because the Pirates got two arms in the minor leagues and they're going to take a couple years to develop. But at this very moment, Jordan Luplo is hitting well for Cleveland. Yeah, he's their best outfielder right now. Yeah, Luplo for Gonzalez is not looking good. Luplo, five home runs, he'd be second on the team. Wow. I think he leads the Indians in home runs. Let me take a look real quick. Yeah, but that's that's, that's not a I good mean look. that's tough for the Indians too. Oh no! So Carlos Santana has eight. Lindor has seven. Oh, okay, so there are a lot of people ahead of him. But Jordan Luplo five home runs in, in far less at bats also. But I think if Luplo was here, I mean, I'm, I'm not. Yeah, Reynolds is. I'm, I'm, yeah, I was gonna Reynolds, say. I'd yeah. rather have Melky, but yeah, that's 801 OPS like, compared to one functional arm. For Eric Gonzalez, yeah. so yeah, I'm just talking like pure value losing a player. All right, Alex, let's wrap it up. Bold predictions. What do you got for me? 
Uh, Wednesday, the opener works again. Pirates give up three runs or fewer against a good Colorado Rockies lineup. All right. I'm going to say the Pirates. My, I just, I don't know. The Rockies are one of those teams, like the Diamondbacks. I just have no faith in the Pirates when they play this team. I think they go 1-2 and two in this series against Colorado, but that's not my prediction. Bold prediction, they sweep the Los Angeles Dodgers. Wow. Yep, you heard it. I think they're going to have a disappointing series against Colorado, and then they sweep the best team in the National League for the last two years at least. You're going in hot with these bold predictions. Yep. I'm, I'm, I'm wimping out by comparison. This is, this is a heat check. Big time. It's like I, I, I hit a couple three-pointers in a row. Now I'm pulling up from half court. Yeah. I need so, some sunscreen, man. Absolutely. So, Alex, any final thoughts? I'll try not to fake yawn. <laughs> it wasn't half, fake. I mean, or that half was just, yawn or Yeah, win. like just yawn. It's okay. I mean, we're recording yeah. this at, what time is it? It's 1230. You work like We, we had rich full seven days hours. Today. Yeah, we both worked a long day. I'm sick. You're elderly. I mean, it's, <laughs> it is what it is. Uh, my final thoughts, I'm excited to be back at the ballpark uh, with you and with all of my coworkers and all the beat reporters and all the players. Uh, this road trip was long. We talked about it, how we hate these long road trips because it takes us out, takes us out of our element. Uh, I'm ready to get back at it and uh, cover this team and enjoy what we do, which is get paid. Some people get paid a lot of money. Some people don't get paid a lot of money, but nonetheless, we all get paid to talk about this wonderful sport and this team that we have grown up really enjoying. So it's pretty cool. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Alex J. Stump, at Noah underscore Hiles 95, and uh, spread the word on our podcast. We're always looking to grow it. Uh, We're always looking to uh, find some new listeners, and uh, we sign off as always saying, let's go Bucks.